Chapter 9 of The Court by B. M. Bauer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 The Evil Eye of the Sawtooth. Oppression is a growth that flourishes best in the soil of opportunity. It seldom springs into full power at once. The Sawtooth Cattle Company had begun much as its neighbors had begun with a tract of land, cattle, and the ambition for prospering. Senator Warfield had then been plain Bill Warfield, manager of the outfit, who rode with his men and saw how his herds increased, saw, too, how they might increase faster under certain conditions. At the outset he was not, perhaps, more unscrupulous than some of his neighbors. True, if a homesteader left his claim for a longer time than the law allowed him, Bill Warfield would choose one of his own men to file a contest on the claim. The man's wages would be paid. Witnesses were never lacking to swear to the improvements he had made. And after the patent had been granted, the homesteader, for the contestant always won in that country, the sawtooth would pay him for the land. Frequently, a sawtooth man would file upon land before any other man had claimed it. Sometimes a sawtooth man would purchase a relinquishment from some poor devil of a claim holder who seemed always to have bad luck and so became discouraged and ready to sell. An intelligent man like Bill Warfield could acquire much land in this manner, give him time enough. In much the same manner, his herds increased. He bought out small ranchers who were crowded to the selling point in one way or another. They would find themselves fenced off from water, the sawtooth having acquired the water rights to creek or spring, or they would be hemmed in with fenced fields and would find it next to impossible to make use of the law which gave them the right to condemn a road through. They would not be openly assailed. Bill Warfield was an intelligent man. A dozen brands were recorded in the name of the Sawtooth Cattle Company, and if a small rancher found his calf crop shorter than it should be, he might think as he pleased, but he would have no tangible proof that his calves wore a sawtooth brand. Inevitably, it became necessary now and then to stop a mouth that was ready to speak unwelcome truths. But if a sawtooth man were known to have committed violence, the sawtooth itself was the first to put the sheriff on his trail. If the man successfully dodged the sheriff and made his way to parts unknown, the sawtooth could shrug its shoulders and wash its hands of him. Then whispers were heard that the sawtooth had on its payroll men who were paid to kill and to leave no trace. So many heedless ones crossed the sawtooth's path to riches. Fred Thurman had been one, a bullheaded cuss, who had the temerity to fight back when the sawtooth calmly laid claim to the first water rights to Granite Creek. Having bought it, they said, with the placer claim of an old miner who had prospected along the headwaters of the granite at the base of Beartop. By that time, the sawtooth had grown to a power no poor man could hope to defeat. Bill Warfield was Senator Warfield, and Senator Warfield was a power in the political world that immediately surrounded him. Since his neighboring ranchmen had not been able to prevent his steady climbing to the position he now held, they had small hope of pulling him down. Britt was right. They did well to hang on and continue living in that country. An open killing, 
one that would attract the attention of the outside world, might be avenged. The man who committed the crime might be punished, if public opinion were sufficiently massed against him. In that case, Senator Warfield would cry loudest for justice. But it would take a stronger man than the country held to raise the question of Fred Thurman's death and take even the first steps towards proving it a murder. It ain't that they can do anything, Mr. Warfield, the man from Whisper said guardedly, urging his horse close to the machine that stood in the trail from Echo. It was broad day, a sun-scorched day to boot, and Senator Warfield perspired behind the wheel of his car. It's the talk they may get started. What have they said? The girl was at the ranch for several days. She didn't talk there, or Hawkins would have told me. She was sick. I saw her the other day at the court, and she'd more than half recognized me. Hell, how'd I know she was in there amongst them rocks? Everybody that was apt to be riding through was accounted for, and I knew there wasn't anyone coming horseback or with a rig. My hearing's pretty good. Warfield moved the spark lever up and down on the wheel while he thought. Well, he said carefully at last, if you're falling down on your work, what are you whining about it to me for? What do you want? Al moistened his lips with his tongue. I want to know how far I can go. It's been hands off the court up to now, and the court's beginning to think it can get away with most anything. They've thrown a fence across the pass through from Sugar Spring to Whisper. That sends us way around by Three Creek. You can't trail stock across Granite Ridge, not them lava ledges. If it's going to be hands-off, I want to know it. There's other places I'd rather live in, if the court's going to raise talk about Fred Thurman. Senator Warfield pulled at his collar and tie, as if they choked him. The court has made no trouble, he said. Of course, if they begin throwing fences across our stock trails and peddling gossip, that is another story. I expect you to protect our interests, of course, and I have never made a practice of dictating to you. In this case, he sent a sharp glance at Al, it seems to me your interests are involved more than ours. As to Fred Thurman, I don't know anything about it, and I was not here when he died, and I have never seen this girl of Brits who seems to worry you. She doesn't interest me one way or the other. She seems to interest Bob a whole lot, Al said maliciously. He rode over to see her yesterday. She wasn't home, though. Senator Warfield seemed unmoved by this bit of news, wherefore Al returned to the main issue. Do I get a free hand or don't I? He insisted. They can't be let pedal talk, not if I stay around here. Senator Warfield considered the matter. The girl's got the only line on me. Al went on. The inquest was as clean as I ever saw. Everything all straight, and then here she comes up. If you know how to stop a woman's mouth, Al, you can make a million a month telling other men. Senator Warfield smiled at him. Then he leaned across the front seat and added impressively. Bear one thing in mind, Al. The sawtooth cannot permit itself to become involved in any scandal, nor in any killing cases. We're just at the most crucial point with our reclamation project, over here on the flat. 
the legislature is willing to make an appropriation for the building of the canal, and in two or three months at the latest, we should begin selling agricultural tracts to the public. The state will also throw open the land it had withdrawn from settlement pending the floating of this canal project. More than ever, the integrity of the Sawtooth Cattle Company must be preserved, since it has come out openly as a backer of the irrigation company. Nothing, nothing must be permitted to stand in the way. He removed his thin driving cap and wiped his perspiring forehead. I'm sorry this all happened, as it has turned out, he said with real regret in his tone. But, since it did happen, I must rely upon you to, to, uh... I guess I understand, Al grinned sardonically. I just wanted you to know how things was building up. The court's kind of overreached itself. I didn't want you coming back on me for trying to keep their feet out of the trough. I want you to know things is pretty damn ticklish right now, and it's going to take careful stepping. Well, don't let your foot slip, Al, Senator Warfield warned him. The sawtooth would hate to lose you. You're a good man. Oh, I get you, Al retorted. My foot ain't going to slip. If it did, the sawtooth would be the first to pile onto my back. The last sentence was not meant for the senator's ears. Al had backed his horse, and Senator Warfield was stepping on the starter. But it would not have mattered greatly if he had heard, for this was a point quite thoroughly understood by them both. The Warfield car went on, lurching over the inequalities of the narrow road. Al shook his horse into a shambling trot, picking his way carelessly through the scattered sage. His horse traveled easily, now and then lifting a foot high to avoid rock or exposed root, and swerving sharply around obstacles too high to step over. Al very seldom traveled along the beaten trails, though there was nothing to deter him now save an inherent tendency toward secretiveness of his motives, destinations, and whereabouts. If the country was open, you would see Al Woodruff riding at some distance from the trail, or you would not see him at all. If there were gullies in which he could conceal himself, he was always line-riding, or hunting stray stock horses, usually, or striking across to some line camp of the sawtooth, on business which he was perfectly willing to state. But you will long ago have guessed that he was the evil eye of the sawtooth company, he took no orders save such general ones as Senator Warfield had just given him. He gave none. Whatever he did, he did alone. And he took no man into his confidence. It is more than probable that Senator Warfield would never have known to a certainty that Al was responsible for Thurman's death if Al had not been worried over the court's possible knowledge of the crime and anxious to know just how far his power might go. Ostensibly, he was in charge of the camp at Whisper, a place far enough off the beaten trails to free him from chance visitors. The Sawtooth kept many such camps occupied by men whose duty it was to look after the Sawtooth cattle that grazed near, to see that stock did not bog down in the tricky sand of the adjacent water holes and die before help came and to fend off any encroachments of the smaller cattle owners, though these were growing fewer year by year. 
thanks to the weeding out policy of the sawtooth and the cunning activities of such as al woodruff it may sound strange to say that the sawtooth country had not had a real killing for years though accidental deaths had been rather frequent one man for instance had fallen over a ledge and broken his neck presumably while drunk another had bought a few sticks of dynamite to open up a spring on his ranch and at the inquest which followed the jury had returned a verdict of death caused by being blown up by the accidental discharge of dynamite a sheepman was struck by lightning according to the coroner and his widow had been glad to sell ranch and sheep very cheaply to the sawtooth and return to her relatives in montana the sawtooth had shipped the sheep within a month and turned the ranch into another line camp you will see that senator warfield had every reason to be sincere when he called al woodruff a good man good for the sawtooth interests that means you will also see that brit hunter had reasons for believing that the business of ranching in the sawtooth country might be classed as extra hazardous and for saying that it took nerve just to hang on that is why al rode oblivious to his surroundings meditating no doubt upon the best means of preserving the integrity of the sawtooth and at the same time soothing effectively the ticklishness of the situation of which he had complained it was his business to find the best means it was for just such work that the sawtooth paid him secretly to be sure better wages than the foreman hawkins received al was conscientious and did his best to earn his wages not because he particularly loved killing and spying as a sport but because the sawtooth had bought his loyalty for a price and so long as he felt as though he was getting a square deal from them he would turn his hand against any man that stood in their way he was a sawtooth man and he fought the enemies of the sawtooth as matter-of-factly as a soldier will fight for his country to his unimaginative mind there was sufficient justification in that attitude as for the ease with which he planned to kill and covered his killing under the semblance of accident he would have said if you could make him speak of it that he was not squeamish they'd all had to die some day anyway End of chapter 9 Recording by Tom Penn